0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio
1: experience. Hello guys, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about direct marketing, how you can get results, sales, traffic, and anything else that you need. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Alex Safranos. How are you?
0: Hello, I'm well.
1: How are you doing? I'm doing great. On morning, I had positive mindset. In the evening, I have double positive mindset. (laughs) I usually set up this mindset so I can go ahead. I love what I do, so it doesn't matter what kind of time I have, so yeah. And I'm excited to learn more about direct marketing. I know it's important. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this topic.
0: So my background is in marketing and analytics. I went to DePaul University. I studied data science and marketing, and I learned a lot about really how to analyze um, customer behavior and interests and preferences and turn that into a business strategy to make better customer experiences during the buying process um, and when they actually attain the product or service and after. Um, So I started in um, a bunch of different internships uh, across large and small companies, agencies, tech companies. And I found that I wanted to start at a little bit of a larger company um, that uh, the pressure wasn't as, as high as maybe a startup where You know, it's less of it's it's a it's a tougher learning environment when you're in when you're in a startup. So I wanted to go for a big company. I applied for I applied to get into IBM. I got in. um, I was in their consulting program, and about a year in, I switched to be in marketing analytics in their performance marketing team. And that's where I really fell in love with the um, the industry. And I we I worked on paid search, on um, lifetime value analytics. Um, different sort of enterprise-wide efficiency um, uh, analytics. How, how can we run marketing more efficiently? And um, just about a, a, over a year ago, I switched to DirecTV where I did um, more analytics uh, and actually recently transitioned into a traditional marketing role. Um, so I feel like I'm kind of going back to the beginning now And um, and I'm working on direct marketing. So that's email, alternative media and direct mail. And uh, I've Quite a bit I could share about that, uh, that I've learned over the last few months. And what I've been focusing on is how do we run these tactics in the most efficient way, taking into account profitability, taking into account the efficiency of our media. Direct marketing can be a very costly tactic. It can also be a fairly uh, inexpensive... uh, uh, What is it? Um, It it can also be a fairly inexpensive um, tactic because... Um, you, can, you have things like email that are very cheap to run. Um, they can be tricky uh, depending on who your vendors are and um, how you, with the quality of the emails that you're sending to make sure you're getting good inbox placements. But generally speaking, it can be a very efficient tactic versus something like direct mail. You're spending probably half your budget on postage um, just to send the piece of mail. And then you have to actually pay for the actual piece of mail, the creative. Um, so it's a very expensive tactic. Um, and then you have alternative media, which is just uh, so- sort of uh, all the little places that you can advertise in print. It's it's more traditional. It's like coupon books, directories, phone books. People mm-hmm. still use phone books. It, it can be uh, effective depending on your product. Um, so so it's it's quite a uh, it's quite an interesting set of tactics really for marketing, and they can span both the upper and the lower funnel and the mid funnel. It's, it can work anywhere depending on the messaging, depending on how you adjust your targeting. Um, You can set things up to run programmatically where the customer makes the first move and you are reacting and sending them something. You can do it proactively where you're identifying uh, prospects who seem interested, maybe they're in the market, maybe they did something recently um, that you're able to track without them even giving you um, you a a notification that they're interested or like a a lead submission. Um, And so it's it's a very flexible tactic in that set of tactics in that way. Um, And there is the common linkage for direct marketing is that it's all about um, addressing a, an individual um, on a much more granular in a much more granular way than on online Um, online. When you're doing, let's say social advertising, you're looking at demographics, you're looking at large groups of people um, who may have certain similar interests. Maybe you're buying cookies based on their behavior. But in direct marketing, you actually work off of a database of individuals and people you can mail um, or reach via email. And uh, so that makes it a a different tactic and and very helpful in many ways uh, to the online tactics, because you can do things like lookalike modeling and actually target people that you're targeting in direct marketing in the online tactics and increase your frequency of reach. So, um, yeah, that's I think that's enough of an intro for now. We can uh, we can get in some questions, maybe
1: yeah you have extended experience love it love it uh yeah uh, nice ni- nice to have, to get it okay let's talk about direct marketing can you tell what kind of advantages and disadvantages we have on this field because uh i think you know uh, I, I still get uh questions is it dead or not you know because uh, probably uh more popular forms of marketing, modern marketing can destroy it. So uh, your uh, perspectives about that, uh, how companies uh, can learn uh, advantages and disadvantages before uh, setting these marketing campaigns?
0: It's a great question. It's an existential question. It's, it, you know, oftentimes as marketers, we want to employ every single tactic just because we believe there is some, there, there has to be some incremental benefit to it. And in, it, it, the answer is, it, that's not always the case. There, Not every single tactic, or not, sorry, not every single company will benefit from every single tactic that there is to run for marketing. And by tactic, I mean email or direct mail or email, or sorry, or um, uh, online tactics, paid search, um, display, video, TV, advertising. There's so many different tactics you can use. And... Depending, the key to understanding which tactic to use is understanding your audience. You start from your audience and say, um, let's say I have a fishing company. I make bait or something, and I would I would have to think about who is my audience. Maybe it's men who are forty years, forty to sixty years old, forty to seventy years old, and um, they don't spend a lot of time on um, Instagram. For example, so that would probably not be a good tactic to employ. But they, they are since they're a little bit older, they probably still read their mail. Uh, and so, it's some of the, for some audiences, they aren't as geared towards, um, it, you know, the online tactics. And you actually might have a much better chance getting through to them, getting your message to them, if you use a more traditional tactic like mail. Um, you, maybe they also spend a lot of time watching TV sports. Maybe they love, a, maybe they love watching fishing on TV. I don't know if there. Maybe there's a, a television station that that specializes in it, and that would be a great place to, to do your advertising. So um, it's all about starting from where the audience is, and then working back up to what are the different channels that or ta- channels that they're likely to interact with, and. Um, so it's not a question of is it dead, because it's, it's, is it right for your audience? Because um, I think one day it, I, I think unfortunately one day we won't be running direct mail. Maybe, fortunately or unfortunately, it depends if you're an environmentalist, but we probably won't be running direct mail for forever. Um, it, it's, it's a tactic that, that works better for older audiences who don't spend as much time online. So it's conceivable that as generations grow, as people modernize, digitize, and spend more time on the internet, that will become a more favorable channel for companies that currently run a lot of direct mail and other traditional media tactics, um, like um, print, other print media. Um, and I'm specifically talking about print here, obviously email, that's one of those that kind of spans both. So that's that's going to probably be here to stay for quite a bit longer. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that there is quite a bit uh, more use to get out of direct mail before that happens. There's still a lot of people who are responding a lot better to physical mail than they are email or social media. So it's it's not a question of is it dead? It's when will it die? And it's not yet. I would still invest in it and look into it if your company uh, services especially older older folks who probably don't spend a lot of time on the internet.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, I think, you know, fishermen uh, don't know about Instagram or no, but uh, don't use it. Uh, but they know uh, uh, where rivers, lakes, or any other <laughs> water close to them so where they can uh, catch fish. Uh, can you tell about technical aspect? For example, if I know my uh, band persona, I know preferences, where they spend time, their uh, interest, but how to achieve them, how to find uh, for, uh, their mails uh, and to send the right message because, you know, personalization still plays a huge role. For example, I get mails, uh, but I ignore most of them because it's irrelevant to my uh, interest. I don't know. Probably marketers uh, don't know or uh, didn't spend enough time you know, to learn more about me. Can you tell about technical aspect? How to find the right prospects and to send the, uh, them these messages?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So the the beginning is always defining who your prospect is, and everything gets easier once that happens. So let's say we have for the sake of example, we continue this fisherman so example so we're looking for um, men who are 40 to 70 years old. Let's say they live in the US let's say the southern US just for the sake of example. so we would then start to look at um, diff- Sorry, excuse me I'm getting a phone okay so we would then start to look at different um, Different data sources for where we can buy data um, that includes people's names and addresses. And these are actually available for purchase. Um, this is something that companies will buy and acquire. And in many cases, they're agencies who are reselling that data to other people. But as a company, you can actually just acquire and buy data yourself. Um, in fact, as an individual, you can just buy data yourself. Um, and so what they'll do. So typically, you'll work with an agency if you're running direct marketing. Um, it's it wouldn't really make sense to do it yourself as like an entrepreneur as a team of one um, because there's a lot of logistics to it. It's a it's a much more old-fashioned tactic. Oh, it's it's a much more. Oh, should I should I pause? It's okay. Um, uh,
1: I lost my light. That's okay. okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. It's a much more old-fashioned tactic, so it requires connections with letter shops, traditional print shops, um, with uh, the, the actual like, designer, somebody who can create art to put on um, a piece of paper. It requires a specific skill set to know how to um, send it to the printers the right way. So this is, uh, this is very different than, for example, on Facebook. Uh, so I created a campaign yesterday in about 10 minutes this is this would not be possible in direct marketing so typically you would you would work with an agent you pretty much all the time you're going to work with an agency um in addition to that so let's say so let's say you partner with somebody what they're going to do is they're going to look in their database they're going to have a prospecting database and the database is literally it looks like an excel spreadsheet and every line is a different person and then they'll have columns for all the different kinds of data for that person. So it'll say Alex and then male, this age, this school, uh, you know, this income brackets credit score, maybe, um, also, and then d- does he live with a family? Does he, is he married? Um, you know, does he, does he eat organic? Does he eat, uh, what, what kind of clothing does he wear? What, um, every single conceivable category that you can describe somebody with is available for purchase, pretty much. Um, And so if it's not available, like there's two kinds of data also when you're purchasing data for direct marketing, that's important to know. Um, One kind of data is going to be what we can call real versus modeled data. So real data would be, are you a registered Democrat, Republican, independent? And you can actually buy that data. You can buy people's registration. So you know, factually, this data is accurate. There's also model data, which is to say, we took a few different data points about this person that we do feel confident in. And then we modeled their the, this person's likelihood to be in the fishing market. And this is a modeled point of data, and it would say this person has an eight out of ten likelihood to buy a fishing product in, let's say, the next six months. And that's very valuable. As a as a fishing company, you would want to add that variable to a model, which is uh, the next point that I'll make. So, so the the team that's uh, working on your direct marketing, working with the data, they're going to see all of these different types of data, and they're going to pick, let's say, twenty or thirty different variables that are highly likely to be correlated with um, an individual wanting your product in the next few months. So you would you would basically, that's the game plan, is let's find the data that tells us this person wants some fishing gear. And if we know that somebody is going to be in the market, we can, we can see data about them that tells us they're interested. Maybe they bought a fishing pole in the last 12 months and they have a few new purchases and we actually can like analyze that data somehow. That that's that's the kind of thing that you would want to put into a model, and then um, based on the people who are highest most likely to purchase, um, those people you would want to target with your direct marketing. So the way that uh, so so the thing you need in between having the data and having the list of people to reach out to is called a model. You need to create a model, a data model. Um, a lot of these are, for example, a, a linear regression or a logistic regression model. You might have heard there's a machine learn. There are machine learning models that um, improve over time. Uh, there's all sorts of different kinds of data models, and it's just like in school. It's like an equation where you have different weights and different variables, and they create. They have an outcome variable. There's, there's like independent variables and there's a dependent variable. So all the independent variables—that's all those data points that you, you're that you have in the prospecting database—and then the model building means you're creating the weights to put on each of those variables. And then you're, when you're all done, it'll say, "Okay, take 10% of their score here, take 20% of their score here." It the model crunches all of um, all of those variables, multiplies them the, by the appropriate weight, and then spits out a number. Uh, maybe it's between zero and ten that indicates the customer's propensity to buy their quality, uh, the quality of the prospect. You're essentially scoring individuals on their likelihood to purchase, and it's a prediction. It's like mm-hmm. Joe looks like our ideal customer; he's probably going to purchase. He just bought a fishing pole. He, you know, he just bought a trip to Alaska. You know, this guy's going to go. He's going. He, why don't we? Why don't we market him? I'm not saying that's exactly possible. It's just. It's just an example. So you could, with using data, you could determine that somebody's probably going to purchase something. So it's all just different ways to get there. Um, so, so you pick, you get the best data that you can. You build a model. The model um, scores all your individuals, and then you say, well, um, here's my budget. You have to figure out how much you want to mail um, that makes sense for you. If you're just starting out, you know, start small and keep scaling up. And and then so you start with let's say 10,000 people that you're going to mail for a month. And so you look at the list of prospects and you say, I'm gonna pick the first 10,000 people and I'm gonna send that to the agency. I'm gonna say, mail this creative to these people or maybe ma- mail this creative to half of them and this creative to the other half. And maybe the creative has just one little difference and now we're A-B testing. And now, now we see which of these two audiences, they're both great. They're both the top, top scoring model people, and, uh, sorry, top, top scoring people in the model Um, and maybe you randomly assign them to one creative or the other. Uh, And then you look uh, at, and and on the piece, this is important, on the piece you're sending, whether it's via email or via direct mail, you need to have some kind of a way to attribute uh, customers calling into that. You can't just have one phone number and uh, expect uh, to be able to tell where all the calls are coming from. You need to have different phone numbers for uh, different pieces, different creatives. And there's ways to actually create virtual phone numbers using online services and that those are pretty, um, th- those are very, I would say more common these days and uh, definitely something I would recommend. Um, you can connect to online services that they'll you basically log all your phone calls too. So it gives you analytics about who's calling in. Direct marketing is a more traditional tactic. So it, re- it attracts people who call on the phone more. So that's why it's, um, it's it is important to have a phone number there if, if you can. People also do QR codes. Or links. Um, These are also good ways to get attribution for your pieces. Um, So you send out your two pieces, you have each one has a different phone number, a different link, and you see which one gets more calls. And then the next month, you maybe just mail that or make a further improvement on it. And that's kind of the the cycle. And then you're analyzing that data on the back end, who called, how many people called, what's the response rate we got, maybe you increase your volume by 25% and see What's the difference in efficiency? Did 25% more people call or did maybe 10% of more people call? Then you know that you're probably maxing out at an efficiency point where you can send you could send all the mail in the world, but there's only a finite number of people who will purchase. So assuming you have a good model, you can test where you should be mailing by gradually increasing and decreasing your volume to see where, when your efficiency increases and decreases. There's one small complexity with that, which is that if you try to decrease your efficiency, you, uh, the paper uh, production companies will charge you more. So there's, there's an economics to, direct the, to the physical direct mail market, where online, when you're buying ads, it doesn't work that way. You don't, you're, not buying pre, you're not buying inventory uh, of impressions and then spending them on Facebook and they cost you cheaper because you're buying more. It's, it's kind of a pay-as-you-go sort of thing where you're winning auctions versus for direct mail, for example, it's you, you have to buy all the paper that you're going to use in advance or as, as much in advance as you can. You're just going to get better and better discounts. And you can't lower that order to get more e- efficient because the paper is going to cost you more. So it's, in, it's, it's much more about improving your targeting than it is just ramping up and down your volume. It's not as easy as it sounds to just, you know, re- dramatically reduce your volume and then dramatically increase your efficiency, uh, which is something I tried to do. <laughs> but.
1: Yeah, I got it. Valuable, you know, I think in North Korea, it's better to use this method <laughs> because they have no internet. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why these people uh, upload. But, you know, I upload as well because uh, I'm interested about methods, how to catch attention. For example, um, uh, once I got uh, a letter uh, with uh, a gift card, $100. Then I got the second letter with $500 gift card. Then I got $1,000. And I felt, oh, oh, my God, who can bring more, you know? And then I got the letter hundredk uh, dollars you know, uh, gift card. Uh, um, I didn't try to understand what kind of benefits I need to, to do uh, to get this money. Uh, I'm still waiting for a million dollars. But, you know, it's interesting that... Uh, uh, I think uh, if you use the same methods that anyone uses, uh, right now, if I get any gift card, a $1,000, I, I usually ignore it, neglect, because uh, I, I, I understand uh, it, 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 it's not something like this that I can get this uh, money, but once I got a pen, you know. For a few dollars with uh, my brand name and uh, i i love using this pen and i prefer to cooperate with this company can you tell more about methods how to catch attention with something unique or valuable uh, to recipients for example uh, i think when i got this pen it's more important for me than many other uh, gift cards with a hundred thousand dollars but that it's hard to get really <laughs> so your methods how to catch attention
0: Absolutely. So I love this question because I asked the very exact same question. My question to to the team that I work with was, "What are all of the ways to maximize performance in um, in direct mail or direct marketing?" But let's say direct mail for now. And there was a few options that I saw that they're they're not exactly they they're not exactly honest but they actually work really well and it's it's really a style move to decide do you want to essentially trick customers and get a higher higher response rates or do you want to be honest and get ignored immediately and there's it's up to you as a marketer and i think that there's a lot of spammy marketing out there and it's important for all of us to think about what do we What choice do we want to make? Do we want to be part of the future of marketing that is less, to to create a future of marketing that is less intrusive and that doesn't disturb your flow as much? Or do we want to be the marketing, the marketers that use all the data possible and are as creepy as possible and do everything we can to trick the customer into purchasing? And I think the answer is obviously you, you need to exercise the responsibility to not utilize every single conceivable option to get people to respond. That being said, let me give you some. So mm-hmm. uh, one is you can pretend around tax season to have the format of a um, of a tax refund bill, so you can buy the same envelope and and format it like somebody's getting a tax refund, and they and and they'll open it and it'll be uh, an offer from your company. I mean, it should it should have some kind of an enticing offer. Maybe it's a couple hundred dollars. Maybe you even put in a little gift card in there. They can feel it through the paper. They're gonna rip that bad boy open, and you're and that's that's gonna get you a much better uh, much better response rate than if you just sent a traditional direct mail piece that didn't have an envelope, um, and or or maybe had an envelope but you know was clearly direct TV versus potentially something else that you need to, you need to check. And I know at least for me, like a lot of the offers that I get go straight into the garbage. I know the second I see who it's from, I already know if I'm going to purchase the product or not. So, um, so that's one, that's one option. Another option more related to uh, it's a lot of it's related to putting the mail in a format that seems like another format um, in order for people to uh, confuse it for something else that they need. Um, But again, my personal opinion, it's not really a good thing to do uh, because so many people take the easy option in marketing. It's more if you want to increase your response rates, do it through better creative, do it through a better message and better analytics to see who is buying why are they buying talk to customers see why they want your product and what your real differentiators are a lot of the time as marketers we're very disconnected from the end user we don't know exactly what they're thinking there are marketers who specifically research this but not all marketers do that so it's hard to for all marketers to have the same sense of connection um, with with that end customer and so that's why sometimes you'll see creative that just doesn't match, that doesn't speak to you because the marketer doesn't really know exactly what you, why you want the product. So um, that's much more important. If you, if you look at the things that impact um, a customer response rate, creative has the biggest share of impact on a, on a response rate. And a lot of and and marketers actually if they pulled marketers and they saw that marketers believe the opposite, that creative had one of the lowest impacts on response rate, but actually had one of the highest. And this uh, it's the exact opposite with something like targeting so that all the marketers thought targeting, it must be super important because if we're not targeting the right people, you know, obviously it doesn't matter what we're saying. Um, But it was actually the opposite. And maybe the wisdom there is our data models are only so good. There's a natural amount of noise in all of our targeting. And it's more important to have a good message and say, say it to a bunch of people, including some of the wrong people, rather than um, saying the wrong message to everybody.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't think so. It's cheating, you know, when you uh, use some uh, the same uh, familiar forms, uh, because, you know, for example, it's like... Uh, uh, when you uh, type on Google weight loss, you can get uh, headlines like uh, lose weight, uh, 20, 20 pounds for uh, for two weeks, you know, or learn a long, uh, foreign language uh, to be a native speaker for a month, you know. So, uh, but when you open, you can uh, get the reality that it's not simple but people don't click uh, boring messages. Uh, For example, if you want to lose weight, you need to spend an year to eat healthy food to train hard. Nobody will click this message. Of course, uh, they're looking for simple solutions, uh, but in reality, when you get this message, this content, you understand that it takes time. You know, it's like educational uh, method. So, yeah. Um, We have the question from uh, Tony Timovski, uh, future trends in direct marketing. Some thoughts on that. What do you think? What kind of trends?
0: Sure. So I there's a couple things that I hope for, and uh, they are that I hope that we get more creative with what we send people and improve our targeting models, such that there's less noise and less wasted paper. So right now, any serious company that's doing direct marketing is spending millions of dollars uh on it uh you know and and this is millions and millions of pieces of paper that at the end of the day are often most of them are just being thrown directly into the trash which we're, we're talking like 99 is of of direct mail is probably just thrown directly into the trash i mean honestly how much do you really keep even if you use it for a, a phone call you're you just throw it directly into the trash um, so so basically um, there's this is a very high waste um, marketing tactic, and it's a very expensive marketing tactic, and it doesn't have to be if you have better data analysis and better da- uh, better t- targeting. So let's say in uh, five years, there's let me give you an example. There's a company called Tiki. Um, Tiki is a company that basically sucks up the data in your phone, anonymizes it, and allows you to profit off of it and sell it to companies who are trying to buy that data um, anonymously. So you're being paid for your data instead of it being stolen from your phone and sold on your behalf. Um, Pretty cool idea. And it puts all the data onto a common blockchain. So it's very clear there's really good quality and structure to that data, really good readability. One, uh, One day we'll get there in, you know, with with marketing in general, and there will be better databases for individuals that'll be less it right now. There's a lot of like juicing going on. You know, people will talk about all these data points that they have all this, you know, amazing data, but it's not all perfect, but one day we will get there. One day we will have much more accurate data on, um, what's happening. And I'm not talking about anonymity. I'm sure it'll be, you know, anonymous and follow all the legal standards. But in terms of quality, we, we will have better quality. So we will be able to mail with uh, the, our models, those models that take input variables and then score leads, those models will have less error when they're running. They will be able to correctly identify customers we should be mailing. And they'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to mail far fewer people and have the same impact as right now, um, except without the waste. So I think, that's a very promising future, um, and it, it seems inevitable just given quality of data improvements over time, um, and things like blockchain technology, which would allow for something, you know, resemble something that would basically be very trustworthy across, you know, various people who are tapping into it. Um, so uh, that's one one change in direct marketing. I think. Uh, that, that we will see in the future. Um, just less, you know, smaller volume, higher impact, hopefully different formats as well. Um, something more, I don't know, more interactive, more fun. I don't know exactly what it would look like. I would like to see more direct marketing pieces that have a more interactive component, like a scratch-off ticket or a golden ticket or a different different colors that are more engaging. Sometimes you see companies testing this, and, and that's, I think, that's good. Um, I generally like that. Like, you're getting a physical, you know, you're getting a physical thing, and there's a lot of opportunities to make that something special. And um, I don't know exactly what that will be, but I hope that we can do something, especially when we reduce the volume significantly more. Let's say, insta- like, direct marketing tactics. Let's say your direct marketing tactic brings in 100 sales per month but, but you have to mail a hundred thousand people per month to get those hundred sales these are totally possible numbers so um if we get to the point where you know what those hundred people are so you have like zero error hypothetically then you could spend like a hundred times more or a thousand times more on each piece with the same efficiency to get that customer so just think about how many different th- Avenues that opens up to stick out if you have that much better uh, data targeting, and of course it's not practical to think that you'd ever be able to f- pick those exact hundred people. But maybe you could get down to you know one order of magnitude less. Maybe you can you only need to mail a thousand people to get those hundred, or ten thousand people to get those hundred versus a hundred thousand. That's a huge difference. That should some of that money should go back into the piece, improve the mail piece, make it stick out even more. And further increase that response rate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome.
0: Uh, Alex, I have the question about uh,
1: intuition. For example, you know, you mention many times about data. I know it's important to get the right data to uh, reach out uh, relevant people, audience, customers. But you know, in SEO field, we often use intuition. Uh, for example, if I get a bunch of data, but uh, nobody knows. What actually will work. So, but uh, according to some experience, we can test many different things uh, by taking our intuition. Uh, Can you tell about intuition in direct marketing? What kind of things we can test? Uh, uh, For example, if someone uh, has experience and they want to check something, test, uh, because you mentioned about testing as well. So, uh, your insights about intuition, how to use uh, combining
0: big data. So when it comes, so I heard this interesting uh, quote on actually on my, on my podcast, I was interviewing somebody and he said that if you see the data and it makes perfect sense to you, um, you should, you should recheck the numbers because usually, usually there is something unique or surprising. You know, now that I say that, did he say that or did he say the exact opposite? I don't even know. Like, it, it makes sense both ways. The point is you should always question your data. You should always question the data is coming in. Don't take it for granted. Oftentimes, it's it's pretty much always going to be wrong in some way. It's just about knowing where are the blind spots. Where is Where can the data be wrong? Where we should maybe caveat and tell people this data may be slightly overstated. Maybe it's du- duplicative. Um, it's important to... Um, always test uh, test n- things that you have, might have heard in the past work or don't work to test them again. So um, we and we actually did this. This is a thing that happened recently that we would we would hear things like, "Oh, that that's a program we tried a couple years ago. It didn't work out. So uh, that's why we don't do it." And me, and, and that two years ago, maybe it was actually three years ago. And by now we've had a new product. We have had a significant change in the demographic of customers that purchase. So is it really still valid even to be riding off of data and testing from that long ago? So there is a need for periodic updating of some of the things that you might consider to be intuitive. Uh, they might be historically true. They might feel true. Uh, but... It's important to make sure if if you don't have hard evidence supporting it, it's very important to test because that could be the key differentiator between you and your competitor, is that your competitor tested it, saw that it didn't work, and moved away from it. And you assumed it was the case and kept doing it. That could be the competitive advantage that separates you and your competitor, um, is making sure that you're not wasting your marketing dollars doing things you think work, but you haven't tested to make sure. And that's why I'm a big advocate for holdout testing, uh, for control groups on basically all marketing, um, to make sure that you're you're making not just a last touch attribution or first touch attribution or any kind of direct ap- um, impact, but also an incremental at um, uh, benefit. You know, are are we measuring people who are not receiving our marketing and seeing what they're purchasing at, or are we just looking at the people who are purchasing and saying? We must be driving all of it. I'm sure it would be. Hap- I'm sure it wouldn't be happening if we weren't running the marketing. So sometimes that's actually wrong. So it's important mm-hmm. to double check, to run testing, and say, does this actually make sense? You know, when my startup friends ask me what they should be doing with their marketing, sometimes I'll tell them, just turn it off. Try turning it off for a month, and see what the difference is. See what r- measure your website traffic, and see are you are people talking about you? Like, can you just go on? like the Mr. Beast model, like can you just go on a bunch of podcasts and drive the same amount of traffic without any advertising? Do that. Marketing is changing, it's evolving. And um, you, you don't have to invest in everything. Testing is super important. Uh, pulling things out and doing blackouts for short periods of time. This is actually, this can be very effective if you do it strategically to evaluate if your marketing spend is going the long, as long as you need it to go for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice advice. Yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember one company lost traffic like uh, four hundred thousand people a month, uh, uh, but uh, this company didn't uh, lose sales. You know, interesting, you know, a lot of traffic, but uh, this traffic didn't sell. So I think it's useless. Alex, I, I have the final question. Uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about direct marketing?
0: Great question. So the first thing that came to mind is the American Marketing Association. It has tutorials and there's also um, LinkedIn. uh, There's various, like, uh, what can you do? You can uh, courses. That's it. You can, you can have various courses to teach you all of this. Um, You can also listen to podcasts. I'm a big fan of YouTube and podcasts. This is the new model of learning, I think, for visual and auditory learners. Um, If, or I guess like, I don't know, there should be a, a, a category for people who just like to watch content um, and learn from that, because I think it's a totally legitimate way to learn things. Um, so I would definitely just go online and look uh, look up the latest stuff. I actually did um, a conference that's on YouTube um, about direct mail and how to measure it incrementally, how to measure success, some of the stuff that we talked about here. Um, and so maybe we can link back to that. You can certainly see if you look me up on LinkedIn or anything. Um, and... What else can you look at? Um, you can also network. That's the number one thing I would suggest: is go on LinkedIn and type in direct marketing, and um, reach out to a few people. Let's say ten people, and send them a request to say, "I'm interested in getting into this, uh, and you know, can we hop on a 15 minute call?" And probably three of the, at least three of them, will say yes. And LinkedIn is a surprisingly great platform to learn about things. In, um, If you want to learn, break into a new job category, if it's a professional type of job, LinkedIn is the best way to go. Um, And maybe start with a couple of YouTube videos just so you know what to ask. But people are going to be the best help. And then always end the conversation asking them if there's any roles at their company and if they'd be willing to refer you. And that's just a little thing you can tag on to all your conversations and get some conversion out of these informational interviews. Nice, nice. Love love it, love it. Uh, Alex,
1: it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Uh, I'll add the link to your event in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Welcome back anytime time to share more valuable insights. Uh, by the way, tell our audience the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, follow you.
0: Sure. Um, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Alex Safranis. And I have a podcast, Marketing Times Analytics. You can look it up on any podcasting platform. Um, And thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Nice, nice. Uh, guys, uh,
1: I, I love audio uh, podcast format because, you know, uh, when I'm walking with my dogs, exercising, training, I listen to audio podcast. That's great way to learn. So you need to subscribe to Alex podcast. You can see a lot of valuable insights. Just keep learning and going ahead. Okay, guys. Love you. See you.